Hello, and welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast, episode built. 66. There you go. That's why I keep you around. Uh, episode 66, the, do all the work. season finale of our low-key, low-key podcast. Uh, I am joined by the person who had to interject because I totally forgot the number. Uh, as always, every week, the editor-in-chief of the thepoprate.com, the, he who remains, Mr. Bill Bodkin. Yeah, I am he who remains. I'm, I'm that guy. So, hey, what's going on? I'm glad I finished this episode five minutes before we started recording. That's a lie because it, we had to wait for some people. But uh, I already knew that because I paved the path and they just walked down it. But this is a special episode, Al, because uh, as as you as we've done throughout most of this review series, we've had uh, different uh, podcasts from the poprake.com's podcast network this one we're bringing back as the first it was the first non-breakcast podcast to appear on the site ladies and gentlemen probably all three of you who have listened to that podcast and the three the same three people listening to this podcast it is a news over brews reunion show for for those who don't know this was a podcast about talking about entertainment news and craft beer. It featured my illustrious host, co-host, whatever the fuck he is, Al Manorino, and our guests. First, he is the Chewbacca of the Socially Distanced Podcast and the PopRate.com, our podcast engineer making his, uh, I think he's this is his fifth time on the podcast. Oh my God. Uh, sporting the Hulk Hogan mustache, Lucas P. Jones, a.k.a. Goose Gossage. What's up, buddy? Not much. Do you want me to throw in a beer review for old time's sake? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, do it now. Blast from the past. Thanks, Bill. So I'm drinking the Nautilus California Common from Seven Tribesmen tonight. California Common is a style that shares a lot of commonalities with Yingling or a maltier amber lager. Um, but it has a little bit of West Coast hoppiness to it. Uh, we'll take a sip here. <laughs> so kind of copying that like Yingling style maltiness with a little bit more minerality, a little bit more hops to it. Um, it's good. Not many places on the East Coast make it. So if you can find one, definitely grab it. You're, uh, you're most likely, if you've had Anchor Steam beer, you've had the closest thing to a California common, although they've shut down their distribution. So... There you go. From Seven Tribesmen up in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, the, the last beer I had that I liked, I remember, was at Al's Ranch Inn, which was the Flying Fish Strawberry and Lime. Salt, salt and Sea. Salt and Sea. It was just that strawberry like and an lime. Lamb and uh, uh, Sour beer. And I was just like, wow, this seems like a lot. And I do like the Salt and Sea, the movie with Val Kilmer. Uh, so let's try it out. And it was delightful. Salt and sea, man. It definitely had. You definitely get that saltiness, and you get that surprisingly uh, dominant but not overwhelming taste of strawberry. Which, if you don't like beer, this is a hell of a drink for you. Great for the summer. Uh, so, salt and sea by Flying Fish. Should I also do a, like a quick beer review so we just don't get to the other guest? <laughs> just don't get to that guy. He's fine. I'm don't, drinking. Al you, should, Al, you should. Yes. Oh yeah. So I'm drinking uh, a. To the Milky Way and Back 3 from Evil Twin Brewery in New York City. Uh, Evil Twin Brewing. It is a 
milkshake style IPA with clementine, key lime, cherry, and vanilla. Keep refrigerated and drink fresh. Uh, no, it is a very, very heavy, uh, but super sweet uh, style that's become pretty popular over the last couple of years called a milkshake style. And I think that is because of uh, specifically the... Lucas has to jump in here. There you go. The, Just like the old show. Yeah. The uh, Otherwise, they're going to get a, the hops really complement the malts and the water and the yeast. That's right. Um, yeah, it's a milkshake IPA because usually it's a little bit thicker and most importantly made with lactose, which is Thank a you. non-commendable milk sugar. Yep. Well, you guys see that ad for Coors Pure? It's just like low-calorie beer. Mm-hmm. It's just like organic. It's like organic uh, hops, organic greens, and water. I'm like, I've had Coors Light before. I know it's water. <laughs> You know, it's water with a little barley flavor, guys. I mean, I don't know how much worse you can get. So Coors ain't going to sponsor this podcast anytime soon. But I guess we have to introduce the fourth member of this podcast. Yes. Um, he's like, kind of like, remember like that random Minuteman who got like pruned in episode one? That's this guest. He is Ryan DeMarco making his return to the Socially Distanced Podcast, a.k.a. the most hated man on thepopbreak.com. Welcome back, Ryan. Uh, it's still probably me, but the, the Eugene Cordero of the uh, oh of the show. I would appreciate it if every time I spoke, someone just cut me off and interjected me, so I just didn't get any words in this. this if, if, if we had coordinated before this podcast, we should could have. Been have. Great. And then, yes, thank you for having me on for episode sixty-six. Pick up sticks. Uh, it's glad to be here. Oh. It's, uh, I don't have a beer today. I'm drinking a black cherry seltzer. Um, so <laughs> I'm already failing everybody. And here I am. Ryan is, Ryan is 75 years old. I'm He's also podcasting from a pantry right now. <laughs> he is. <laughs> what a, he what might I, be sitting on top of his washing machine for all I know. It's a stacker. Yes, it's right behind me, actually. So as I might have to spin around and uh, just uh, change the cycle. But yes, here I am. <laughs> coming a fabric from softener. <laughs> By the way, this is a low-key review podcast, so if you've hung around for this long, God bless. Um, Al, this is the final time we're going to evoke the name of one of our favorite characters. Let's kick off our uh, opening segment as I try and wrangle all the cats together. Yeah, so um, the the name of this segment for the final time is, Hello, my name is Miss Minutes, and here is the episode recap. Close enough. Uh, Episode 6. Oh, plot summary. Episode 6. Uh, the final episode of the series season, actually, which is a great thing to say. We'll get more into that. that. We'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, For all time, always. And here is the plot summary direct from Wikipedia. We love you, Wikipedia. In the Citadel, Loki and Sylvie meet Miss Minutes and reject an offer from her creator, He Who Remains, to return them to the timeline with everything they desire. Meanwhile, Renslayer leaves on a mission to find free will after receiving information from he who remains. B-15, that's not right. B-15 proves to TVA troopers their variant status by showing a Renslayer variant who is a school vice principal. He who remains tells Loki and Sylvie that he ended a multiversal war caused by his variants, isolated his timeline, and created the TVA. As he has grown weary, he offers them a choice kill him and end the singular timeline risking another multiversal war or become his chosen successors in overseeing the TVA and the singular timeline. Sylvie decides to kill him while Loki 
pleads with her to stop. They kiss, but Sylvie sends Loki back to TVA headquarters. She kills he who remains, unleashing a multiversal war with timelines that cannot be pruned. I don't know. This The rest of this is uh, super made up. At TVA headquarters, Loki warns B-15 and Mobius about variants of he who remains, but they do not recognize Loki. Loki sees that a statue of one of the variants has replaced those of the timekeepers. And when I say variants, I mean variants of he who remains, but we're going to get into super specifically Kang the fucking Conqueror! Guys, we 100% know that. Yes. Are you parent? Yes, we do, because he, he says it. That's not say my name is Kang. He says, I have been referred to a few names, all names that Kang has been referred to. He is Kang. Yeah. You know who else was referred to those names? Conan. Is okay. Conan? Is it Conan the Conqueror? Kang the Conqueror, please stand up. I rest my case. Uh, but also, Jonathan Majors has been cast as Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumanium. Uh, guys, first of all, thank you for joining us. Second of all, I'm this show has been so much fun over the last six weeks. Um, I want to throw this question to Ryan first. Ryan, you what? sort of you sort of binge this show while most of the world has been watching it weekly. Uh, how did how did your like initial reactions of just like I guess the pacing of the show and uh, tone? Uh, I will also say this is the fastest I watched a Marvel show. It took me forever to watch Wanda. Uh, it took me forever to watch Captain uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This one took me about a couple weeks, um, but it was, I think, it, I mean, without without getting into it, I don't know if you guys do like a, a choice later of which series was the best. This was my favorite we, uh, we, we, we didn't really plan that, but we can definitely ask that. Thanks for hijacking the show. Yeah, seriously. Strike uh, one. As washing machine director of this episode, I am uh, enacting that that's going to be the first uh, topic. Uh, this was my favorite series uh, from the Marvel TV universe. Um, but I felt I felt that this was the most. I don't know. It was the most. It was the most. Uh, just connect. I found I found the easiest to follow. Actually, the easiest to follow, the most kinetic, the most. Um, it had the most going for it. Honestly, to me, um, what was the full question now? Besides, no, I just I just thought what you like. What did you think of? I guess the pacing of it since you binged it. Yeah, and then just I guess did you feel that this was a tone that you may have never seen? Yeah, in exactly. a Marvel show. Absolutely, I rate I rate these three series like the indiana jones uh series like wanda was like raiders uh captain uh <laughs> captain captain uh falcon and the winter soldier was like temple of doom this one was like raiders oh, like or uh last no, 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 i don't mean i don't mean as like a, an insult to captain I, I it sounds like i'm shitting on it but uh no absolutely not it just seems like the first the the beginning and the latter series were sort of uh sort of areas that explore different regions of of the mcu as we've seen it and uh the middle being sort of more familiar territory and more just i don't know it, it just it, this one covered the loki covered so much ground and and it just did so much just so much uh is that a cat in the background there it's my kid thanks oh <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell her to stop meowing. Um, and then <laughs> it would be like, shut up, Ryan. 
Um, I just found this one to be, uh, I found this one to be the best and just the easiest to watch personally. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing about the cat. But our, um, our third and a half official host, co-host, Sophie Bodkin. That's right. Um, so, well, for, for the remainder of you, for, for those that remain, um, but what did you think of this as just like the end uh, in terms of, I guess, your anticipation levels or your tinfoil hats as we've been referring to them throughout the season? Just I'll start with Luke. Did it live up to your expectations or did they throw you a curveball? The whole season or just the final episode? Finale. We'll go with the finale. Um, I think the problem was the rest of the season was so incredible that this felt like a step back, but only because it was its only purpose was to set up the rest of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a trap that Marvel sometimes falls into um, with some of the TV sh- Well, no, with some of the content in general, where they, they get so caught up with setting up the next thing, they forget to finish what they're doing. Um, I think this episode suffered a little bit from that. Um, on the bright side... Um, it's still incredible, you know? So like when you take a step back from perfection, what do you get? You get merely incredible. Um, so I, I can nitpick that. And I think it's, I think it's a fair criticism of Marvel in general. And I think it definitely reared its ugly head. Um, but I really liked the finale. I thought it delivered on a lot of, a lot of payoff that we needed. I just feel like we didn't get the focus on Loki and Sylvie the way that it should have been. Um, but it makes sense because they're potentially setting up a season two. Um, the one thing that I did realize um, about halfway through it was I didn't realize that what I really needed in life was a 45 minute version of um, the last Matrix movie. Um, but that's essentially kind of what what this was for better or for worse. That's Luke, me. That's me. Yeah. Um, that's me. That's I, although I didn't think that, I didn't think the last Matrix movie was as bad as everyone else thinks it is. So. That's a separate conversation for a it's separate. Not as bad. Don't wind me up. Don't wind me up. Um, but yeah, I mean, the short version is is it, it was still really good. It just felt like, as much as we got a payoff on the timeline stuff, we didn't get a payoff on Loki and Sylvie. And if you're going to spend the whole season really talking up their interaction as like a nexus event in terms of the universe, it feels weird that we didn't get really anything out of that at the end. Lucas, did you find it? Interesting that it was kind of like a ripoff of uh, Planet of the Apes at the end too. <laughs> he said it, he said he, he said he ripped it right from it. He said it was like yeah, I mean that it. that makes sense too, right? Because you, you blew get, it up. Yeah, you you, you, you damn dirty TVA agents. <laughs> uh, you know what? I also I, I found interesting too, uh, just because we Al and I just watched uh, Black Widow and I and Lucas did too. Um, I'll be in the corner. It's fine. No, uh, just, shut your mic off. It's just a minor, just little uh, thing I noticed. It's just that Black Widow. I don't know. The, Loki seems to have just like the final ten or fifteen minutes. Or actually, I guess the the final episode really just kind of set up the whole trajectory of the MCU for the foreseeable future. And then you look at Black Widow, and it just it sets up a show. I don't know. I thought that was. Yeah. yeah. Without spoiling anything. Loki had to do some heavy lifting at the end. It it had to launch phase four all on its own. It's 
It's crazy though, because yeah. I've I've read that I've read that the the writers of the show, so the head writer, I talked about this a little bit last week that Marvel doesn't really hire showrunners for these shows. They hire a head writer who maps out the whole show, then they get a writer's room, and they have one director direct the whole shebang. So he said when they were writing the show, they were like they wrote Kang into the show because they knew that it would work in terms of time and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of branched. It's really the, if the MCU is going to go forward and answer it, yeah. if the MCU is going to go forward with like this multiversal war and get into the multiverse, we already know a little bit that Dr. Strange will, or maybe Ant-Man will, but like, if that's the next 10 years, it's crazy that it basically derived potentially from a TV show. <laughs> like that's nuts. Yep. But yeah, Bill, what what did you think episode six did live up to your expectations of, I guess, what we've been discussing, tinfoil hattedly throughout uh, the first season? Yes and no. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the same path as Lucas here. Like, it's a very good episode and there's some fantastic performances, but I felt it was a little rushed. It's just like, like we've seen other Marvel shows go over the 40 minute mark. It's just like you easily, you had the crowd guys. Like you could have gone over easily. There's no mid credit sequence. There's no this, that, or the other thing. I'm like, did they forget? Is this like, is this, let's just, they just forget something here because it's like, there's so much you could have done with it. Um, it, it, I liked, you know, we were all hoping for the um, Owen Wilson uh, payoff where he was like, wow. Or on a jet ski, and he, we got neither, and that it was it was a pretty that's a pretty ballsy move. But I, then again, I felt like we rushed it a little bit. We spent a lot of time on Kang, or Thou Who Shalt Be Named, or the the Remainer, or the Redeemer, or whatever he's calling himself, um, Bob. You know, Ryan DeMarco. Who knows? But it's like it's a it's just felt like we rushed. I felt like we could have got a little bit more with Mobius and the TVA. I felt like you could have stretched it out another 10 minutes and I think some things would have paid off a little better. Wouldn't have been so rushed. And um, we could have, you know, teased a little bit going forward because I think we've, we teased in WandaVision. I believe we teased in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is just like, Hey, it's the multiverse. Bye. <laughs> and you're like, all right. I mean, there's other things you could have done here. I mean, you have other movies coming. Um, and you know, it's, it doesn't tie anything together. Maybe that's the whole point. It's like breaking the Marvel mold, which I guess is cool. But I felt like if you gave it 10 more minutes, you could have had, we could have, it could have been a little bit better, but it's still really good. And, you know, it, it doesn't always have to pay off my, my theories, but, uh, just felt that it was a little rushed. I think, I think they took a page out of like early game of Thrones with, you know, the, we, kind of called it last week in terms of the penultimate probably being the best episode of the of the series so far yeah but like game of thrones was also like it was always like one the story ended that season story ended in episode the penultimate and then we got the here's what's going to happen next season that's what i'm saying that's what they did got it but i felt like it was we didn't really get the closure on the first story well kind of in the sense of like kind of Kinda. I, I I just I didn't feel like it was uh 
I did feel it was a, a rush in the sense of like, you guys could add 10 more minutes and it That's my thing. wouldn't have felt like a slog because I think you're totally right about the TVA and specifically Renslayer. She just bounced. Like, where'd you go? Like, why? So I thought she was going to pop up. I thought she was going to be in the fight. You never see where she goes, right? No. no, Exactly. So that was the big one for me. It was just like a, I could have a little more context of like where we end up with her specifically. <laughs> It feels like an hour-long episode was edited down, <clears throat> edited down afterwards. Yeah, to fit a time slot. Yeah, I felt like there was there there, there something felt like there was more to be there was more done, and it just didn't really. They like you said, they just cut stuff out, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You could have done a little bit more with it. Uh, I mean, I still like it, but it's just like we've had so much time, and, and like they've been able to do such a good job telling these very rich stories in a condensed amount of time, but it's just mm-hmm. like it, this story was so rich and it was setting up so much, like you said, Lucas, so much heavy lifting that had to be done that I think it needed a little bit more time mm-hmm. because it was a 48 minute episode, but you know, eight minutes plus of that was credits. Right. You know, that's every show too. Yeah. It, yeah. But I mean, you, they, there's like the fact there was nothing thrown in, where we have all these movies on the horizon yeah. and I get, it's like the timeline is weird, but like, yeah, you would think that they would, they would kind of bring it with it's the, a little something because it's just like, yeah, yeah it's just like you had all this heavy lifting to do. And he, I think wonder, you need a little more time to do it in. Yeah. It mm-hmm. makes me wonder if even they don't even know yet. Like fully he might not. The show. But like, I, they're I, still but, figuring it out. But I think that's why they also announced at like the moment it drops, like, Hey, this was renewed for season two, because they'll be like, okay, it didn't pay off the way people were hoping. And it's a condensed episode, but we're going to give the people their hope. That's the season two. It's like, okay, we'll, con- we'll continue the story. So people don't feel like it's like, Oh, that's it. That's the end. I mean, the ending itself, like the final scene itself is great, but it's just like, I think if we just ended a lot there, it'd be like, Oh, that, yeah, it just kind of ended, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like now we'll get now we're going to continue with we think Loki, Sylvie, uh, B fifteen, and Mobius and Renslayer. We'll we'll have all these characters. Maybe Kang, maybe not. Or though, um, I'm never going to get all that all that remains. The band, you know, they're going to become stand in for Jonathan Majors from uh, from. Uh, I was going to say hot in Cleveland. Jesus Christ. Lovecraft country. Fantastic. Two totally different. Two different <laughs> totally different shows. Yeah. Jonathan Major, hope... by the way, fantastic. He was, he was throwing. So shit. good. They're like, here is the scenery. Chew it the fuck up. Really he different. was hamming it up like crazy. And he was so good. We'll get into that in our next segment. Oh, yes. Um, this one is titled The Variance. The best performance uh special uh, i think it's specifically the special guest star mm-hmm. um so favorite guys is one fucking special guest um let's just talk about jonathan majors as uh a variant of kang the conqueror or actually a bang uh, a variant of kang um we don't know which variant of a variant i don't know um my name, head hurts his first name is lou that's lou kang it's Luke Hang. No, I got the joke. It's a terrible joke. It's a fucking great joke. It's very timely. <laughs> yeah, super timely. Very timely. It was timely in 1985. It was timely. In Things 80- that were timely in 1985 are timely once again. So 
you know, watch yourself over there. Says, says your mustache. Mortal Kombat comes around always. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Jonathan Majors, uh, guys, what did you think of our mystery keeper of the timekeepers, if you will? Uh, I will start with LPJ. It was awesome. I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. Great. But like, I... I come into this with a medium amount of comic book knowledge, sporadic and medium at best. Um, I am familiar with, with Kang the Conqueror, but I don't know enough about him in the comics to like have built in a personality to him necessarily. Um, so I thought it was really cool. It was a really interesting uh, way to portray someone like that. Right. Cause like, you really want to take it seriously. Like how do you portray that character? Right. Like the, the guy who knows everything all the time after and, and knowing everything for all time for so long, potentially. So I thought he did a really good job of funny, then like switching on a dime, right? Like a little bit kind of being that unstable genius. Um, I thought he was awesome. I'm like, I'm excited that he's, I will tell you this, his performance in this show is going to be enough to make me watch my first Ant-Man movie so that I can get caught up for Quantumania. Glad I'm not the only one on this podcast who's never watched the anime movie. I can't believe you guys have. What, what a weird thing to to be <laughs> against. I've also it's never like, seen like the Iron listen, Man sequel. Listen, oh. I hate racism. <laughs> I hate the Ant Man movies. Did I ever see them? No. <laughs> did, I ever, did I ever say I hated them? Hate them. That's how you guys feel about it. No, I mean incorrect. No. You no. guys, listen. You guys don't like Paul Rudd. You don't think he's that great of a guy. We get it. We understand. I mean, you're making a lot of bold judgments there, Pat, for a guy. So watch the watch the damn movies. Hey, do you hate Keanu Reeves? No, God no. Then why haven't you watched The Matrix yet? I watched some, even yeah. like Speed. Just watch Speed. I do want to watch Speed. Shut the. F- what you haven't seen Speed? Why you and Aaron Sardaki were Aaron's like, oh, I just watch Speed. I'm like, how have you not watched this movie? <laughs> Jesus Christ! The bomb on the bus. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> Who says cans, ma'am? Jesus Christ. He's gone, gone off. Oh, the by the way, Keanu Reeves is the nicest person alive. You hate him for not watching that and Point Break and Speed. God damn it. I, I win. think the only thing that would have been better if it wasn't Kang sitting in the chair, if it was just John Wick just sitting in the chair, he's just like, hey. I run time. And then he just kills them both. Or it's, Bill and, or it's Bill and Ted and they do a weird crossover. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, oh God. He's like, I run time, guys. Um, I walk the path. I just, I love, I love that they set him up as a variant. Like in a sense, in sense, it wasn't Kang the Conqueror. It was a variant of Kang the Conqueror in the sense that like this obviously super gifted actor gets to just put on all these different performances throughout the entire MCU if they want. Like that's nuts. Think about that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's what made the beginning of his performance like because the beginning of his performance was so over the top. Jim yep. almost like Jim Carrey, like Ace Ventura mm-hmm. over the top. And I'm just like, I've only seen him in Lovecraft Country being like deadly serious. So I'm just like, all right, this is a choice. And then when it's like he's a variant, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like he's Oz. That's who he is. He's uh, he's the guy behind the curtain. So he's gonna be the the maniacal. And Al, you've said it a million times. Congratulations, you made up for the delivery guy not being, you know, Mephisto. Yeah. Uh, so in WandaVision, uh, for those who don't know, Al's worst prediction. And uh, 
But yeah, it made all the sense in the world. He's like, I'm a variant and I'm the variant who kept everything in control. And now I don't want to. And I'm just like, oh, this makes all the sense why he's so manic and so over the top because he is crazy because he's been doing this job for God knows how long. And I, my favorite part is not, is when he was like, Oh, we just passed the threshold. And he was so happy. He was like, so, he was a giddy because he's like, now I can die. Now I can stop being responsible for all of time and space and every living creature. And, you know, I can just do that now. I can just go. But I'll see you again because I'm right. That was really cool. A lot of the early stuff, I'm like, this is super hammy. But then it all made sense. And it doesn't. Uh, Brian, I was going to send it to you anyway, but you can go watch Lovecraft Country. It's a really good show. Oh, yeah. Um, No, what's what's interesting, too, and I think a good thing to point out is um, every version, you know, the next time we see him, he won't. He won't necessarily act that way either. He'll be a different version of Kang. And I think we can probably see, I think maybe Marvel is layering that out. Like you'll see him through different tears of reality and he'll be different mm-hmm. forms of himself. And I did enjoy that because obviously we just did, you know, years and years of, of, uh, of, of daddy Thanos over there trying to just, you know, rip the world in, into two. And so this was definitely a nice change of pace. Um, I, I did. I did like his his like the sporadic changes in behavior and 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 just being. He was like he was like just he was like on on Broadway basically on stage just performing, which was mm-hmm. pretty awesome. So I think uh, yeah, I, I I definitely I'm 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 in it. I'm in I'm I'm on the Kang train to see what what happens next. Is there the? Did they open the door for Kang? Because the problem with Thanos right was. Once he died, he died. Obviously, they were able to pull a second one in. But is there now the possibility that like that different variations of Kang can now be the villain and be killed in different movies and be yeah. played in completely different ways, a completely different villain, yes. but still build up that phase four? 100%. Because they have, so far, it's like an infinite amount of like multiverses, right? So they can go about this multiversal war just like he explained, right? So it would be interesting that, you know, he could be a hero in some of these. Yeah. We don't know, right? So it could it's be just interesting. Him. It could be, be a very really interesting. interesting opportunity for some of the writers to, to flex their muscle a little bit. I mean, having just seen um, Black Widow, they clearly have some talented writing and directing and visualization staff on that team. Um, I think it'd be interesting. I think, I think it's, it's one of those things too, where you're able to sort of subvert, you know, after what a decade plus of Marvel movies where you either have the multi movie bad guy or the single movie bad guy, you now have an opportunity to completely redefine 12 years into the, the movie universe of all superheroes completely redefine what that might look like from movie to movie. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it, it's a, the only problem is maybe you might lose a casual viewer or two at this point. But other than that, who's who, who among us is a casual viewer? You're either watching it or you're not at this point. Exactly. But Bill's kind of casual, but not really. Um, fun. Hasn't watched Ant-Man, so. It's true. Fun fact. A lot of other ones I haven't watched either, buddy. 
the it's funny that you mentioned coming out of Black Widow and saying like they obviously still have talented writers and all those kind of stuff. The the person who wrote the head writer for WandaVision was actually the story writer for Black Widow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Guy, that person wrote, should be immediately promoted. Yeah. The guy who wrote Loki is uh, writing the Stephen Amell series Heels. Very true. Oh, also, the guy... Wait. Is it not the Loki guy? But someone just announced to write the new Star Trek movie. Matt Shankman? Matt Shankman. The, oh, the WandaVision director. Who's directing it? WandaVision director. Who is doing this? Hmm. Who is doing this to Star Trek? I must inquire. Hey, listen, he likes... Somebody he likes, keep tabs on J.J. Abrams. Make sure he doesn't get too close. He's producing it, but I was going to say, oh, this dude, this guy likes classic, classic uh, TV show sets, though. Well, let's hope they have a plan this time. Post <laughs> the Star Wars movies. God damn it. JJ, why would sabotage. you? <laughs> we'll destroy um, everything. Uh, love. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hijack the hosting gig for one second because we are coming to a, ser- a season finale. So, for the overall first season, which we now know this is a first season, who gave your favorite performance this season? Who is the variant for you? The A number one performer for you guys. So, Al, I'll start with you since you're the host. Oh, man. I mean, there is a case to be made that uh, Jonathan Majors steals the show. I mean, he he did the one thing that really no one else could do was kind of match up to Hiddleston on screen. And just, overshadow him. Overshadow him, yeah. It only really happened like two times throughout the entire show. Um, once with Owen Wilson. And Richard E. Grant. Come on. It's Richard E. Grant. But I will say my actual pick is Owen Wilson. I was going to say alligator Loki, but I, I guess wrong. You did. You did give, I mean, he did give a performance, a, a like life altering performance as alligator Loki. But no, Owen Wilson was so, so good in this role. Um, little side note if you do decide to, to to shave your beard and keep the mustache, you, you definitely have a Mobius in you. Oh, yeah, we said this. He said, for, We said for Halloween, he has to be Mobius. Yeah, to, oh, I would, I would be straight up murdered by my wife and daughter if I shaved his beard off. I've asked, I've asked, and there was a visceral reaction. <laughs> I made a small child, he's got a, doesn't he have a beard in it? No, he has the mustachio, yeah. Oh, got it, you're right. The mustachio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what else is there to say? I mean, this was peak, peak Wilson. It was very good in this. And apparently he's Silver Fox, according to most people. And we get more of him. He's alive. And he's going to be in season two. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, Rye, who do you think gave the best performance um, of the season? I mean, I think it goes without saying it's got to be Hiddleston. He was, uh, he was, he was fantastic. He was transformative. He he really he took the character into new, into a new area, um, and he was you really you can't take your eyes off him when he's when he's on the screen. And you know, does he say things that make you say it in your sleep? Three o'clock in the morning. Was I telling everybody uh, I have a glorious purpose for a week straight? Maybe. Did no one believe you? Of course. Did everybody hang up the phone on me? Yes, but mm-hmm. you know, still, it was uh, no. Uh, it was it was. He, he put out basically a, a six hour long 
just adventure uh, of him him being thrown into this world and and discovering himself in different ways and and finding uh, possibly love and uh, and 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 just kind of uh, and, and changing his character and he was. He, he he brought it. Uh, he, he was at a hundred every every episode. This was this the show is nothing without him. Every episode was on his shoulders. I thought. So you're saying it would impo- it'd be impossible to have a show called Loki without Loki? It wouldn't be impossible, but it just would not be nearly as enjoyable. Very true, Mister Jones. Um, I would definitely echo what you guys said. Um. I think, I mean, objectively, I think Owen Wilson was the best performance overall. Um, it'll, uh, he's just, it's a role he's never, I don't think he's really ever played before, which was good to see him in. Uh, Tom Hiddleston was, you know, it gave him an opportunity to sort of redefine the character, right? And like playing, we talk about playing a character a different way. So it gave him a chance to flex his acting chops. Um, but I would probably want to highlight uh, Sophia DiMartino. Very great. Um, I thought that she went beyond being a foil, far beyond, um, and carried a lot of the scenes between her and Tom Hiddleston um, in a in like a, in a really solid way. I thought she carried a lot of the the moments where the scene had to flip and you had to go from one moment to the next, and she was able to set that tone for what the scene was. Um, and I thought she was she was she was great across the board. She was had a wide wide range of acting and was able to nail it all and carry everything. So I would I would go there. My sarcastic answer would be uh, whoever animated Miss Minutes because <laughs> they were able to get a lot of like really complex facial expressions out of a clock. But not Tara Strong's performance as Miss Minutes. I, I mean, I think it was good, but I mean, I think a lot of that is the facial expressions that make it. Um, you know, no, I'm not going to take credit away from voice actors because voice actors. I was going to say, uh, a voice actor is literally not voice actor right now. Is a thousand times harder than anything else. But I, I think that the digital aspect of it has come such a long way. It's come mm-hmm. so far. Um, and I definitely want to shine some, some credit there. Wait, is there a voice actor on this podcast? Yeah, I didn't understand that. No, right. I, was sa- I, was just, I was saying to him that he was. He was saying disparaging things about voice acting, so I was saying there was a voice actor literally Again, knocking on no his door. No one right said anything like that. Now you're just <laughs> up to fit this weird world you have. Um, no, I, I I totally agree um, with you. I mean, Owen Wilson just crushed it. I think that's that's it. That's not what he said, but no, he did. He said Owen Wilson was a favorite performance. More about Sophia DiMartino. Oh shit, you're right. Sorry, Sophia DiMartino was excellent as well. I thought you giving special credit to her. I didn't know that was your actual pick. My bad. Misheard that one. That milkshake's really getting to your brain there. It's bringing uh, all the boys to the yard as well. <laughs> boys, you mean your insanity. Uh, I'm going to... I feel like... Um, yeah, Tom Hiddleston... <laughs> um, he was like kind of the point guard of this whole... Ep- like everything ran through him and he was able to distribute it to people like... He knew when to give the floor, almost like they, like I'm sure it's the writers, but the the Loki character in his performance knew when to give and take with with all his supporting actors. You know what I mean? So, like he knew when to give to Owen Wilson and Sofia Di Martino and and everyone else. But to me, the best performance here, I'm gonna echo Lucas here, Sofia Di Martino. She really had the probably the hardest task was to be Loki. She had to be she had to match 
and she did surpass Tom Hiddleston because she was, you know, a lot of times the straight man to his like neuroticisms and his bumblingness. Uh, but she had to be, she had to do so much as a person who didn't trust. He, she had to play a new character, a new ver- uh, the variation on Loki, uh, a character we've all come to know and love and we know everything about, or we know a lot about, and we've come to know him in the Marvel movies. But to show a different shade and to bring this whole new, um, whole new story to Loki, but still making it inherently a Loki thing is incredibly hard and, and complex. And I think she absolutely killed it doing that. And I'm really glad that we didn't see her die in the episode in order to give Loki. So I think Alex mentioned this last episode, like she didn't die to give Loki some sort of purpose. Like she lives on and she's the one who made the decision to throw everything into chaos. You know, it was her decision. She threw Loki, you know, Tom Hiddleston out, which I think was cool. Very true. Uh, I actually want to talk about that now that we're going into like the actual like crust of the episode or crux of the episode, if you will. Did there's a theory that I saw online that someone it wasn't that time had changed, it was that um Loki was sent into a different timeline, like completely. How do you how do you guys feel about this? Because I I read it as like him, uh, her kill, uh, killing Kang or he who remains literally broke time. I didn't understand that actually it might have been the opposite, like that he was sent into a different timeline, meaning that in that timeline, Kang is the ruler of the TVA and not the timekeepers. So did you guys pick up on that at all? Or am I just going absolutely insane? I'll start with Bill. Am I going crazy? I mean, in general, yes, but okay. that's a tough one because that that theory does play here because they don't know who he is. We see the Jonathan Majors character has replaced one of the obelisks, one of the big char- the big you know carvings that was on the uh, elevator um, shaft. I guess we'll just say which we had seen an extended view of earlier in the series. Um, the fact that Mobius and uh, B-15 don't know who he is. They have no idea. They go, so you're an analyst. So I can see how it's an al- this alternate timeline, but in the alternate timeline, if that's theory's holding up, they're, they're witnessing the breaking of the timeline. So it's very complicated. And I don't know, like, I don't know if there's a direct answer. I feel like stay tuned for season two pal you know type of deal because i don't think we know because i think it might be a little bit of both because like i said we are seeing time break but why would that have erased the memory of everyone i don't know uh luke it's not that it erased the memory it reset everything so if we if we think about before Kang's death as the variant's death as the prime timeline, right? Now all these timelines are branching. The temp pad doesn't, can't navigate different timelines. It can only navigate one timeline, right? It only has mm. time navigation. It doesn't have universe navigation because there's only been one up to this point. That's been the whole point. So when you put in the time, 
it doesn't know where to go. So it sends you to one of the branched realities. We saw that the realities were branching immediately, right? And they're branching at all points in time. And it just became chaotic. So in theory, if you tried to send Loki back to the TVA, which universe does he get sent back to? That's why I really liked what Ryan had pointed out about Planet of the Apes was because he got sent back to a TVA, right? But like, which universe did he get sent to? Um, so I think, I think that's the thing. It's not necessarily memory erasure. It's a timeline that could have potentially branched before Loki was brought to the TVA in the prime timeline. So they would have had no knowledge of him being there. And then now is allowed to exist. And he was sent to that version of the TVA instead. Um, which makes sense if you play by the rules of the universe, um, which actually I applaud Mar Marvel for, because one of the things that I've always hated about time travel is that a lot of times when you try to do time travel, franchises don't really play by whatever, you set whatever rules you want, but you have to follow. Um, Back to the Future follows the rules. Time Cop. Time Cop follows the rules. Um, and it looks like Marvel's following the rules too. So I, I applaud them for that at least. But I think that might be it. I think that it's 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 basically like if you were navigating by cardinal direction and someone flipped the compass on you without you knowing. You think you're still going the right way, but actually you're going in the wrong direction without even realizing it. Mm. Weird question to bring up mid-question, but is the TVA just made up of like a bunch of like unpaid workers in space jail? Yes. Got it. All right, Ryan, the question goes to you. How did you interpret the, the finale? Or were, were you more team me or team Lucas? Team, yeah, it was really kind of just like a, like Lucas kind of to echo Lucas in a way with the, with the, uh, with his, with his callback to my callback of the callback that was planet of the apes. Um, yeah. Sort of like, sort of like a, like a time reset. Just, I, I really don't know how to form it into words because after Lucas and Bill uh, did a wonderful job of explaining, explaining it, I really, uh, basically, in one word, like reset. <laughs> that was kind of it. I love it. That's yeah. kind of what I want like they, 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 He explains, right? The universes are stacked. On, they were stacked on top of each other, right? Yeah. So every point in time had a corresponding point in time in any number of universes, right? And so it's just they just not their universe. He's in a different potential but, universe. You know, are they coming together, though? Or are they all like crashing? They're all, they're all splitting up. No, they all split apart. They're branching. Yeah, because it's not because they were together. And then they yeah, it was only one. It's not they were together. It's that every time a new universe formed, they erased it, right? Because like then early in the show, they said, "Oh, we're resetting the timeline," but what they actually were doing was destroying an entire universe that was popping up. So now that these universes are no longer being destroyed and sent to this graveyard, they're just being allowed to exist, which is causing other nexus events in those universes to branch off. So it's like literally one splits into three and those three split in three. And then now all of a sudden you've got nine universes all with corresponding points in time. Which is why the Thanos copter was there because why the hell would a, with Thanos being a cop, a helicopter so that they were like, well, we're not doing that. Let's throw that in the, the graveyard. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then they pulled stuff from 
like oh, our time, our timeline too, like the oh, USS Eldridge, that ship that got sent into the graveyard. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that ship in particular. I've read about it when, it was, um, uh, when it came out. The, the story is that the U.S. military was testing like some weird camouflage equipment, and it malfunctioned. I know the audience at home can't see me, but I'm using very sarcastic air quotes. Um, <laughs> that the the camouflage malfunctioned, and the ship went from Philadelphia to Virginia in quote the blink of an eye. Um, those cities, I think, are more connected by waterways than people realize. Um, so I think it's just a case of a ship going real fast. Um, but that's yeah. a, the, the Philadelphia experiment, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, don't watch. Don't watch the second movie. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's just the thing. I think it's just that these universes are now all corresponding. They're stacked on top of each other, um, and uh, some people can can go between them freely. So I think that might be just where we're at. I wish they had one thing they had done a little bit more. And I think especially with a little more time in this episode, remember the how we see Renslayer as basically a high school or a grade school principal. Like, I really wish they went into a little bit more of and hopefully they'll do this in season two is like, why are these people all variants? And how do they convince them to essentially be unpaid interns? Like, that's what I would like to see, because it's like we see it with Loki. And we kind of understand it there, but we don't know why anyone else does anything. And and then everyone's convinced to do it. And Renslayer, I think, is the closest we see to it. She's like, I have to believe in this, which we we brought up a few times. Like she's like clinging to this, so it makes sense. Drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, but I mean, she needs it because now the Kool Aid is all that her life is. Her whole life has been defined by this. And I just would wish we knew a little bit more about that. And I hope they explore that in season two. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, in that regard, I'm glad she wasn't like killed off or anything too. There's yeah, she's too, in- uh, she's too interesting of a character in that. And the actress who was in the thought through Ra is just, she's too good to just, all right, we'll just get rid of her in one episode, one season. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's go into the final segment of the review series. Uh, Bill, what is the name of it? Is this where we just we have do a, the Tesseract? We have, well, we have a we have the theory. Right? Well, we can do a quick season two theories, I guess, just like or or where we think it takes the MCU. Yeah, I think we've like, beaten that. We've beaten what? that over the head. I think at this point, multiverse. Let's go. <laughs> well, because I kept I seeing a lot of people were like, "Well, this obviously leads to," and I'm just like, yes. "Yeah, okay, we could do that." All right, but what is the name of the second? Uh I know what this place is. Ah, I know what this place is. So, guys, your theories going into season two, quickly, where do you think we're going in terms of Loki? And what does this mean for the MCU at large? I'm going to start with Mr. DeMarco. Uh, I was hoping you didn't. I really really have no guesses for where season two is going to go. it really left it off. And I'm guessing they did it on purpose for it to just be like, literally anything can happen and you will see a completely different season two than season one. Um, It makes me question how Loki is actually going to show up in these other Marvel movies in, in such ways that since they did announce his appearance, um, I really, for the first time, actually, this is why I liked 
Loki. Uh, it kind of left me with with just more just unanswerable questions. Uh, no, no idea where it's going. I have no idea. It's literally a blank slate for me. That is anyway. Um, I'm. I have no idea where it's going. Bill. So when does Love and Thunder come out? They just finished wrapping. So maybe like what two years? Two years from now? Yeah. So we don't know when Loki is coming in. I feel like this Loki is going to be the series that it, it, it's going to be like the. I feel like they're going to use it to just further the multiverse along because Doctor Strange comes out when March. March. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be like just kind of like a big like pivot point for every time. So we've now pivoted to the multiverse is wide open. So now the multiverse has exploded. Things are going to happen. And I think by the time we get to this next movie, it'll filter everything that we've seen from Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and everything and um, every other movie we're going to see until this comes out. And then it'll synthesize it or we'll filter it and put it into the next uh, part, Eternals included. That I think it'll pivot to there, but I do think the main while it's doing that heavy lifting, the main story will remain Sylvie and Loki trying to reunite to try and fix everything, and that's where we might see a death come into play. I could see one of one or two, one of them not making it out of season two, Mr. Jones. I could see them, yeah, I agree with Bill. I mean, I could see them following the same basic stylistic viewpoint is the Mandalorian where they give you the season two that kind of continues the arc and something in season two is going to fundamentally change the arc. Um, and then you'll see a longer delay for season three, as I'm sure they'll use Loki and, you know, whatever they'll use them in um, love and thunder, whatever next version of the Avengers comes out. Um, it gives them an opportunity though, to have Loki be the good guy, I think to sort of change up that character and give him a new, just a new thing to do. I mean, even like the, the God of Mischief gets a little old at certain points. Um, go ahead, Bill. Could Loki serve as the Avengers of the new MC, this phase of the MCU, where like the Avengers is the waypoint? Like mm -hmm. that that's like the big stopping point. It's like here's the next chapter, and here's the next pivot, and here's the next thing. Where it's like this is like everything kind of run ran through the Avengers and ended with the Avengers. I'm not saying it's going to end in Loki the series, but it's kind of doing that. We're just saying, here's a start point, here's our middle point, and here's coming towards the end point. Like we're using this as like kind of like the the watershed things where everything is going through mm -hmm. it. I don't know. Um, I think it almost it almost set itself up as him having the most glorious purpose of all. Like he's fighting such a macro war that I feel like all the movies are going to be so micro in comparison. Like he is fighting for all of time. Like, will that necessarily be the case with the movies? I think they're going to dive deeper into the actual, like, what are these multiverses instead of like time specifically? Like, that's my theory going into this. I think they've set him up, like, the whole concept of like, what is your glorious purpose? You don't have, like, it's bullshit. He has now the glorious purpose of all in like saving time mm -hmm. i think that's a really cool and poetic way to like bring new life into that character yeah so I that's do, how i see the season i do feel like and this is a a bit of a wild throw here watch them backdoor the fantastic four into 
the introduction, the reintroduction yes. of Fantastic Four into season two. Watch them back end, like halfway through the reemergence of the Fantastic Four into that series. They won't. They won't do it into the show. They already have a movie now. They can't do it in the movie. They've tried. They, do. they have it. They are going to. The director of uh, all the Spider-Man. Oh, no, but John Watt. But they can be. They can. I, when I say backdoor, I mean like like sneak in the a quiet introduction. Like that's the mid-credit sequence. I really could have done it in one of it. <laughs> Maybe too soon. Wait, but is it Kang tied into Fantastic Four? The great great grandson of. Yes, Reed Richards, Nathaniel, uh, something Richards, Nathaniel Richards. I saw to do with Kang. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah. Again, I think we're all saying the same thing. It's just like Loki could be the series that like has the overarching uni- universe story, while we have the individual adventures, which eventually link up into the uni- to the big overarching story um, in the movies. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's get into the final section of this part of the podcast and the whole part of the podcast, honestly, because this is basically what News Over Brews was. Uh, a bunch of idiots getting drunk, talking about pop culture. I've sweat out all my alcohol. That's right. Oh, man. Um, overall thoughts on the season finale and the series as a whole. And we use the Tesseract rating system. One to ten Tesseracts. Uh, what did you think? Loki season one and also Loki uh, for, for all time. Always. I think it was the name of the family. Start with Bill rating thoughts, rating thoughts. So I'm going to give this, this might end up being one of the lower rated ones. I give it, I'm just going to give this about between a seven and a half and an eight. Um, like I said, I felt like it ran a little short. Um, I felt like they could have done a little bit more. The performances were great. Um, but we, in, in, and I, I feel like I, this is one of the ones I have to go back to, to fully appreciate the ending of, um, because I felt it was abrupt and it leaves you at season two. It is a, it is a planet of the apes, like, ah, you know, type ending, but it's still very good. Um, like I said, the, the, the highlight of that episode obviously is the duel between Loki and Sylvie. Like that's the highlight of the episode. That's the that's the that's the one everyone's gonna remember. Uh it was a fantastic, no pun intended, introduction for Jonathan Majors, uh, for a very complex character. And I like that we did it here. Um yeah, this was good. I felt we it felt more like a setup than a finale. So it felt it felt like this wasn't even didn't really close the season out to, you know, as much as just like, hey, we set up everything now. So that was that. So I give it. I'll give it an eight. And as for the series, that's tough because I felt like Marvel has done a really good job of with this with all their shows. This one defied expectations though because um, um, essentially, I thought this was going to be Doctor Who and a lot of high crimes and capers in space and, and through space and time, and it wasn't. It was a love story. It was about self-love and loving another person, for, you know, and trust and all that. And it dealt with a lot of deep emotional stuff, which I think is we've seen in all the Marvel shows where there's a deeper, uh, bigger meaning that's been discussed. You know, WandaVision was trauma and and um, Cap 
and you know falcon winter soldier dealt with race and this is dealing with uh, self-love mental health i guess you could say um in a, in a very you know heightened manner and i thought hiddleston blew, you know could have very much laid it up and done a very easy performance and it would have been perfectly fine if he mailed it in because he's great but he gave a performance i wasn't expecting and i thought he was fantastic uh owen wilson the same and i think everyone blew us away i feel like season two google mcglough through raw is going to really shine i think they're going to give her character a lot doing the actress who played b15 also from lovecraft country will get a lot more time to shine as well she's a terrific actress um, so as a show, this gets a nine from me. I think it was, it was, it's great. I highly recommend it to a, any non-Marvel fan where I don't think WandaVision, I would recommend to people like, Hey, if you like Twin Peaks, you'll like WandaVision. But if you don't, and you're not into Marvel, I don't know how much you're going to like, you're going to be into it because it's a very unique show. Captain Winter Soldier, that's a hardcore Marvel show to me. But this is the one where it's just like, this is weird enough but also accessible enough that anyone who doesn't even know the Marvel Cinematic Universe can pop in, be get the Exposition Jones in episode one, so you're all good there, and then you can just enjoy six really terrific episodes that work in a self-contained manner. It's also one of the best visual Marvel ones because it has its own distinct style. It doesn't look like, oh, this is Marvel. It's high and glossy. It's very unique to itself. And uh, very 1970, like I've been saying, 1970 sci-fi. So henceforth, the Planet of the Apes works there very well. So overall, yeah, it's a it's a nine out of ten Tesseract for me. Mr. Jones, I would agree that I think the last episode gets about an eight. Um, I'd probably agree that it, it the series as a whole is around a nine. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you, you look back on it and you could say like, okay, so focus on the negatives for me. It was too short, the weaker payoff because it was going through. And, and, but the more that I think about that and let me, let me branch off very briefly for you. Oh no. (laughs) Um, So I'm rewatching Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Um, And just finishing up season two, and season two is about 22 episodes long, but only really about 10 of those episodes further the actual overall plot of the show. The rest of the episodes are kind of like monster of the week, right? So if you think about Deep Space Nine season two is 10 episodes with quite frankly, a season ender that really only serves to further the third season. I don't necessarily know if what Marvel's doing is a negative I think what they're really doing is they're just stripping away all the fat or stripping away all the monster of the week stuff, right? Which like, not that people don't want to see that, but that's not really the point, right? Like it's not, it's not really like a new IP. It's not really like a, it's not really this new cast of characters, right? Like at least Deep Space Nine, they only really carried over two characters and one of them came in halfway through the series. This is, the story you know furthering the rest of the universe at large so i i think the one the only negative the fact that it's short is weirdly enough a positive in some sense um just to maybe provide a different perspective than i myself provided an hour earlier um but yeah i i think i agree with bill i think an eight for the final episode is perfect i think a nine for the whole series is great 
Uh, I think it's, you know, I, I don't know where the, all three TV series rank for me at this point. I, I think they've all been phenomenal. I don't necessarily, I think the only missteps have only ever come in the final episode of each TV series so far. So hopefully a symptom um, that they can cure very soon. Leave it up to you to drop a weird Deep Space Nine season two soliloquy in the middle of a Deep Space Loki. Nine is the best Star Trek series ever created. Excellent. Not uh, first, you're not the first Star I Trek fan to tell me that this week. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Ryan. Yeah. Um, so I don't have any Deep Space Nine logic in my answer, but uh, I'll bring it back to Terminator 2. No. Uh, no. I just podcasted about this week. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, no, I would, I would, um, I would, I would agree with the, the, uh, co-hosts with this as well. The, the finale was the weakest, uh, not the weakest, but with all three shows, they've, the, the finales were definitely the weakest of, of each show. Um, I would give the Loki finale, uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere, but probably, I, I wonder because I, I always think too like like how I wonder what what these shows will look like in the coming years in two three years down the line with Marvel where Marvel's at you look back and you say all right well how were those pioneer TV shows how does it how does it how, how does it stack up still and I do think the shorter seasons the more direct seasons and it's weird because i said the same thing the the falcon falcon series i thought was too short i thought wandavision could have been even longer and and this show i said this show could easily have been a 20 episode season they're they're cutting out all the fat and they are just they're they're not interested in anything but the story they want to tell and they want to make sure that it just it's it's quality over quantity so the season um the season i would give probably i'd probably give like a nine 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 point five it was it was fantastic it definitely reminded me of the old yeah 60s 70s 80s sci-fi shows um twilight zone outer limits sliders even like all those weird shows sliders no that's it (laughs) You want to talk the deepest poll of this <laughs> review series? Sliders has been referenced. God. Great show, great show, very underrated. Um, but it definitely hit all those marks, um, all those familiar territories that are just so enjoyable. And yeah, it was. It, I guarantee it was very, very tempting. I applaud them for for not fighting those urges of oh, let's just do like an episode where Loki just fights an alligator with a crown like he could have easily did that like, like it could have could have fell into a cw show-esque formula but marvel um although yeah they're 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 just doing ju- just the meat i i applaud them for the uh the smaller series um i think these first three these first three series were phenomenal and uh i was really surprised even though it's marvel you're still getting surprised by them 12 years 13 years into their into their run. Um, and it makes me wonder just going forward, how long is like the Thanos, the Thanos era was like, was it 11 years? Like how long is like, this is now the, the origin of like, how long is this going to be now? Is this going to be another 12 years from this point? Are we going to look back at it? And what are we going to think of this? 
Um, but for now, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, and everything about the show was was really great. Everything was strong. I really don't have anything negative to say besides it wasn't long enough. I do have a, a question for you, Ryan. Um, is it a sliders question? It is not, unfortunately not a sliders <laughs> question. Wait, just talking um, about sliders in general, not the, not the show, but the food product. So, it, the question actually starts with another Star Trek reference, accidentally enough. Um, in Star Trek Next Generation, one of the seasons, they reference a math equation, it doesn't matter, as being unsolved and unsolvable. The problem was, in the year they made the Star Trek episode, no one had solved the equation. Two years after that, the equation itself was solved. So now when you go back and watch it, it makes the episode very dated. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the way they're doing these short TV series is going to make these series unwatchable as TV shows in like a decade? Like, are you going to be able to go back and watch Loki, but having like, not like not having the context of when it came out or, or are these now, are these more like movies where like they're done and like you you really can't watch them anymore? Well, I think Lucas, I will tell you only time will tell. <laughs> no, because I, I feel, <laughs> I feel like each of the shows is so much show at first and then Marvel second. I, I think these are a lot of led by. When you get to that finale on the rewatch now, is is the finale going to be even more of a letdown because we aren't looking forward to the next thing? No, because it's a finale for season one. It's not a. It's not a start. It's it's a start of the MCU, the uh, MCU's potential t- next ten years as well it's still acting as a season finale for a show like wandavision works so well the Mm -hmm. finale in in the essence that it literally closes the chapter it sets her up it sets her up for 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 future endeavors right but but we did all sort of agree that this episode was the weakest is it going to be even weaker when we come back in a decade no because it's it's only if the season two fails yeah, that's the thing. If there was no season two, if this was a self-contained story, if that's yeah, hundred percent, just, just to be a conduit to the movies, I feel like we look back on it in a not ten years, in a year, it'll be like that's ah, not that good because like it was, like, it was so good, and then the finale just let us down. And it's like that it was it was we would talk about the wasted potential of Loki because they're like there's so much more you could have told, but now we're gonna tell them so. It's it was this it carried the load for the bigger MCU, but it also it's self-contained within the series. And I feel like Captain America and Winter Soldier, yeah, there's there's enough to go on to a movie or even a second season for that. And WandaVision was a self-contained story. So we could watch these as just like miniseries type deal, except for Loki, because now we're gonna move to a second season. So I think like it won't be wasted because we have a second season now. If the second season carries on and on the same level this one did yeah but i mean the same could have been said for mando i mean mando ended as season one you're like well this is setting up the next chapter but it's also setting up such a bigger universe you know how's this going to work but it worked well it really depends how this this is like the thing with marvel though it's kind of like setting up dominoes it's just like the okay you put you, you set up the first three dominoes you don't really know where it's leading to. It really depends. You really can't judge it. That's like the thing with reviews, like with, with, with Marvel stuff. It's like you're reviewing it at the time it comes out, and then it takes on a totally different shape later on. So you wait till like the line gets bigger, and then you and then you reflect. Like, do I think everybody's going to be like, 
oh yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I rewatch that all the time. Five years down the line, season one. I don't think so, but maybe maybe Loki. Maybe this moment where, like, yeah, I remember when when Kang first showed up. That was crazy. Like like that was that's a that's a season we we definitely we definitely rewatch or or WandaVision. Oh, remember when they did that that crazy first first season? Um, then they never did anything again like it. That's why why it stands out. You really. It's tough. It really, you really don't know at the time w- w- what's going to be big or what's going to like, like how the, the lifespan of, of, of the, of the shit. So I don't but know. Also Marvel has done this thing where it's just like a lot of movies just serve as plot movers. Like there's a somewhat individualized story, but like civil war was all like, okay, we're going to set this up because we need to introduce black Panther. We need to, we have all these goals we need to hit in this movie. Yeah. And it's still, you know, we'll have a conflict in there. It'll be cool, but like this is serving a greater purpose to span up all these other things where it's not as much as a self-contained story, at least in my opinion. And yeah. but these are, I feel like, are more self-contained. Like you can watch emotion, the emotional growth, uh, and like of Sam, the, the story of Sam Wilson becoming Captain America is a compelling enough to re-go back and watch that series. Whereas I feel like there's some Marvel movies where like this is just oh cool, this is the bad ah, damn it. Uh, this is the what set up this. You know what I mean? Like we could go back to uh, that second Avengers movie, and I'll be like, ah, that was like you know, it was fine, but it's set up. Look what it set up. How cool was that setup thing they did? Not like that was a cool self-contained story I can go back to. Yeah, I, and I, I feel the same way with really like Infinity War too. The first one, it's just well, the, the only one. Uh, you're just like, it's a, it's a good, it's a great movie and everything, but you. It just sets up really the second the second movie. Really, you just want to, you know, it, it was great at the time. You had to see it. You had to you had to be there and everything. But ultimately, I think it will be. It's just a movie that sets up Endgame, and it has the most depressing ending of all time. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, thank you guys. Uh, I will say quickly. Uh, Pretty much agree with Bill. Not nine on nine. I thought solid finale and just overall awesome season of television. I think the only thing that doesn't put it at a 10 for me, or sorry, two things that don't put it at 10 for me. One obvious one. We didn't see Owen Wilson on the jet ski. Yeah. That was rough. That hurt me a little bit. That was painful. Number two. Okay, great. You announced Loki season two, mid credit scene. Where is my after credit showing Alligator Loki? Big fumble. As one of the timekeepers. Like, come on. That's what I want to see. Or doing anything. I mean, this literally is literally anything. It could have like just been him did, drinking like, the box wine from Rocks Wine, which was a great touch. I love that. But Ryan, the, the rocks on throughout was fucking phenomenal. I did it. Rock smart. Um, but yeah, no, I think. Uh, I just the show they they both crushed it, honestly. Jonathan Major's performance brings it to a nine. There's doesn't matter what you feel about it being rushed or the fight maybe not landing for people. His performance brought this to a nine. It was that good. But I think that's it, fellas. We shut the we locked the door of this low-key, low-key podcast. And I think we're done with terrible jokes at this point. So, 
So before we say goodbye, let us let let the world know where they can find you on the social medias or anywhere else that you would like to plug. I will start with Lucas. Don't at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Going off the grid, one TikTok uh, at a time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm on TikTok <laughs> now. I hate it. Um, so if you really want to follow me on the thing I'm doing now, I'm a full-time hockey guy now, which is super exciting. Um, a company Crazy. I started with a friend of mine from middle school. We are we are doing it full-time, and it's it's weird, and it's cool, and I'm a huge fan of it. It's the Dan K Show at the underscore Dan K Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, our TikTok is mostly if TikTok was run by 30-year-olds, which we are, um, but it's still super fun. However, if you do want to talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, you can direct message at the underscore Dan K Show. As for Lucas, I will provide you with my P.O. box, and then we can write letters back and forth to each other about how good Deep Space Nine is. And share, uh, uh, what is it? Um, what's the one where they whittle into like a tooth? <laughs> Uh, Scripture, script yeah, exactly. We can we can write letters Scripture. back and forth to each other. My dearest Ryan, it has been a long time since I've heard from you. Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at your local corner um, uh, grocery store. Um, you know, I sometimes frequent the highways under <laughs> a lot. I tend to find whatever food I can scavenge and eat no i'm on uh, recording in a pantry right now yeah <laughs> right now i'm in some, literally in someone's house he broke into i'm in some guy down my streets uh he's got great wi-fi so i'm gonna hang here <laughs> for the night but uh uh no i am on the pot break whenever i do get back to writing at some point uh, we'll see i am uh not usually just a just a stone's throw away from pot break that's 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 where that's where you can get me or uh in the woods one of those two Perfect. <laughs> Literally no information whatsoever. Bill. Keep it. Trying to keep it short. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you must at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S. But most importantly, check out thepopbreak.com. Every single day we're talking movies, music. We're going back to concerts, everyone. Uh, television, uh, pro wrestling, anime, comic books, video games, all sorts of great stuff. We're on Twitter at Popbreak, at in on Instagram at Popbreak, forward slash Popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook. Find all our podcasts, whether it's socially distanced, whether it's and the winner still is, whether it, our retro Oscar podcast, the way too early Oscar podcast, the TV, uh, Popbreak TV, and the Breakcast. You can find all of those hub podcast hubs on the Popbreak Radio Network, which is on. Anchor, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search those hubs individually. And as for me, yeah, I also co-host a wrestling podcast on the Breakcast called This Wrestling Life, which our new episode will be coming out a little bit later this month. Excellent. Well, that's going to wrap it up for episode 66 of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for the News Over Brews team for joining us. And also, fun fact, I didn't get to mention in the intro, everyone on this call was directly involved in my wedding in some capacity. We got the two we got co-best men and the actual officiant of my wedding uh, on my wedding anniversary. Uh, happy four years to my lovely wife, Megan, who does not listen to this podcast. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great night. As well. She shouldn't. <laughs> she really should not. <laughs> Please make those the last words of the, of the podcast. I will. As the editor. <laughs>